filibuster is supported through patreon by listeners like you check us out at patreon.com slash filibuster we also get support from the ehrlich law office discrimination wage and litigation solutions for the district of columbia and northern virginia they handle workplace discrimination non-competition and non-solicitation litigation civil rights and a whole lot more for a free consultation go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster There are three games this week, so we're not doing or to deal with this week, so we're not dealing with a cold open at all. Except to say that uh, we're going to make Adam sing. I haven't forgotten that Adam will be singing, uh, and if he doesn't sing, uh, I don't. I, I don't need to ask Ben. I, I'm sure he's on board. Um, if Adam doesn't sing when he comes back on the show, we're going to drag this thing into the ground. Um, oh yeah! If you've ever seen news coverage of like a European, a major European city, when like the transit workers strike and the whole city grinds to a complete halt, uh, we'll be those transit workers, and Adam will be the beleaguered bureaucrat pleading with us to re- return to our <laughs> posts. But we won't. He will sing, or the show will just be us refusing to let him go on without singing. Um, I also don't think he's going to have any problem with singing because Adam actually likes to sing. Um, yeah. But if he does have a problem, I just want to be clear that we're going to make him sing next week. I don't remember what we're supposed to make him sing. That's a different problem that we'll have to tackle. He'll Isn't it Proko uh, Harum? That sounds familiar. <laughs> I think that's what it was. Listeners, please tell us what Adam is supposed to sing. Um, we're easily influenced. If, if you convincingly tell us something that we didn't even mention, we'll probably make him sing that instead. Yeah. But with that out of the way, that important business of making someone sing despite their their wishes, uh, Goat Goat, welcome Goat, it's Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. Adam is still on loan to the state of Kentucky. Um, he, I guess I guess if he stays there permanently, we'll have to chase him down and make him sing. That might be more difficult for us. Do you think we'd get a transfer, t- transfer fee from Kentucky? Oh, we better. Adam? Okay, yeah. But I'm, I, I'm not letting him go on a free. Well, I mean, what, what if this is a situation where it's a more of a development thing and we would need the training solidarity payment because those are much harder to get if you're uh, in the U.S. than they are abroad? That's uh, true. We might have to join the suit against uh, U.S. soccer. Right. Just to get our uh, our share of the Adam money that we are richly owed, I think. Um, yeah, exactly. Finally, finally turning this thing into a living by selling <laughs> a human being to a state. Um. So we th- last week we didn't have Adam at all. This week uh, we are joined by Stephen Streff. Well, we've actually brought in a replacement. Stephen, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. This is my debut, so I feel like I'm fitting the rest of the DC United team uh, making their debuts this past couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, uh, and, and you came in on a free transfer. Uh, we did not open up our wallet for this one um, because uh, we don't really have any money. So. <laughs> That's why we we have to take what we can get. We are very much a DC United podcast. Um, this week we've got a lot to talk about. There are, as I mentioned already, multiple games. Uh, there was a game Saturday as well that was bizarre, uh, I think is the best way to put it. Um, <laughs> but before we get to all that, before we tackle the silliness of the United, versus, or the United Rapids game, I should say, um, Stephen, I'll let you go first. What are you drinking? Um, so I kind of recently moved, and uh, I was the recipient of um, somebody else moving. Uh, my cousin moved from, from D.C. to New York, and 
He gave me a bunch of his stuff, which included some red label Johnny Walker. Um, Ooh. That's the only alcohol I had in the house. I was hoping to get some ginger ale to go with that, um, but I ended up with Coke. So it's a Johnny Walker and Coke. All right. Not All too right. bad. It does the job. Yeah, yeah. it'll definitely do the job. Um, years ago, this is already, we're already going to go off off the off the rails. Um, a friend of mine, uh, his old roommate had had a bottle of Johnny Walker blue and they had moved apart. They, my one friend, me and all all these other guys moved into this, this group house where a lot of my dumb stories come from. Um, but his old roommate was not one of those people. He was in a band and him and the guys in the band got their own house. And somehow the bottle of Johnny Walker ended up at our house instead. And, my roommate made a big point of he's like, if Phil ever comes by, don't let him get the bottle back because I'm taking it from him because he owes me. Um, but <laughs> what, what, what did he owe him for? It was that part was never sorted, and we didn't ask any questions. We're like, yeah, sure, whatever. But of course, when Phil did show up eventually, uh, and he picked a time when the other guy wasn't going to be there, and he was like, hey, where's where's Matt's room? We we're like, oh, it's right through there. <laughs> He went in for like 10 minutes and came back out with the bottle and he was like, this is mine. We're like, all right. (laughs) So we were the worst defense force for a stolen liquor that may or may not have been a payment. Whenever I hear about Johnny Walker, I always think of the the dispute over this bottle in which I was an extraordinarily passive participant in uh, just letting my friends steal his liquor back and and letting them deal with the problem. It's not my problem. Yeah, no. But also saying, like, yeah, sure, we'll help you out, and then completely not doing it, uh, <laughs> like a, a big, dumb jerk. Um, anyway, abrupt pivot. Ben, what are you drinking? So we had a uh, party for my uh, young daughter. She turned one uh, this past week, so we had her birthday party on Sunday. And so people brought beer, and... I am not one to waste things, and so I am drinking one of these leftover beers, even though it is uh, very season-inappropriate uh, to be drinking right now. Uh, it's it's a pumpkin beer. It, it's apparently oh, now dear. pumpkin beer season. So it is Blue Moon Harvest Pumpkin Wheat. Uh, just is to add, any good? There, there is a pumpkin growing in my garden outside, and it's not ripe yet, so... Um... You are definitely out of season for your, for your pumpkin. Yeah. That's a year old. Yeah. I mean, is it good? It, I mean, it tastes like what you think a blue moon that is pumpkin flavored would taste like. So not really, but that it's does, yeah, not actively bad. That sounds, I, the fact that it's not actively bad sounds significantly better than, than I would have expected. Uh, that sounds, uh, the, the more, I didn't think about it at first, but yeah, that's not a brand that should be reaching out too far, I don't think. Yeah, um, no. But I, I don't know. I'm not in charge of Blue Moon Brewing. They can do what they want, I suppose. Um, I certainly am not in a position to stop them anyway. Much like my... my uh, it's it's a lot like the story of the Johnny Walker. I'm just going to have to stand off to the side and be like, yeah, whatever. Um, oh, I thought you were going to pivot to the uh, soccer game and say much like Tim Howard is uh, powerless to stop a back pass. Ben, there's a third person on this podcast that has not discussed his drink yet. <laughs> He already discussed his drink. He's talking about Jason himself. Oh, <laughs> we're in we're in good form. We're in good form. Um, despite Ben's best attempts to not let me talk about my drink, I'm going to anyway. 
Um, I picked up a uh, a six pack of Atlas Brewing's Rowdy Rye, um, and my start of the show was delayed a little bit because I think it's not skunked. The flavor is fine, but there's definitely something as far as um, it foaming up way too fast. Um, and so I was pouring my glass right before I was going to come on, and all of a sudden I looked. I looked down at it again, and it was completely about to overflow, so I had to hold it over a, tr- uh, a re- bedroom trash can, um, which is not where beer goes. Um, no. So uh, I had to hold it until it stopped overflowing. I'd take my normal um, beer koozie that I use to prevent the glass from making a giant noise next to the microphone. I had to throw that in the sink. Um, I had to take the trash out. I had to wash my hands. Um, I didn't get any beer on the carpet, though, so that's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, uh, in all things considered, the th- and also, I mean, I had my earbuds in, which are connected to my microphone, so I had to spin without pulling the whole thing down. Um, I'm pleased with my crisis management, I guess. Um, well, aren't you fancy? Well, it's something. I mean, I, we are talking about a crisis in which I spilled beer everywhere. Um, <laughs> and and without being bumped or jostled or being too drunk or anything, it just, the beer foamed up faster than normal. And I was unprepared, but I managed to... Recover gracefully, I suppose. Um, it's good beer, though. Uh, Rowdy Rye is is a good beer. You should drink it um, if you find it. Actually, right. I, think, I think Donald had it on the show the last time he was on. So it's it's been a frequent guest, I would say, on the show. Um, and now, in a completely lesser pivot to the <laughs> game uh, being discussed tonight, uh, Saturday, DC United traveled to the Colorado Rapids for... One of the least important games of the MLS season, if we're being honest. Yep. Uh, not quite the bottom of the table clash that was the trip to Minnesota, uh, because Minnesota is still in that group uh, down at the bottom, taking up space. But the good news is that DC United actually managed to win this game. They broke a seven-game winless streak. Was it seven or was it eight? It they might have been lost, eight. Uh, they lost eight. seven and had one draw, right? Yeah, so an eight-game winless streak, one uh, nothing in Colorado, their first win there since 2010, on an own goal that, uh, I don't want to so, say it, it doesn't defy description, because it's actually very easy to describe, but it's still like, how on earth did this happen? It uh, still makes me laugh every time I think about it. Oh yeah, um, Jared Watts in the 27th minute, uh, with Colorado just keeping the ball uh, in the back under no pressure. Um, United had dropped their line into their own half. Watts didn't see an option forward and decided to move the ball back to Tim Howard. Um, he didn't really take a look. Um, he did put some some he put some mustard on the ball because he wanted to make sure it got there uh, because you don't want to under hit a back pass to the goalkeeper. Um, but something else you don't want to do is you don't want to put it on the frame of the goal while not noting where your goalkeeper is. And Howard. After watching a couple of times, I've come to the conclusion that Howard was moving into a position where he wanted Watts to pass him the ball, um, which is why he was sort of going in a different direction as the ball is actually going past him and he had to change his footing uh, to go get it. Um, But yeah, the ball trickled into the back of the net, a 45, maybe 50 yard own goal. Um, on a back pass, the, the kind of goal that you you see like once a decade in a game involving your team. Um, so, you know, just like the eclipse that happened today, this is something you can you can wait for 2027 to see the next one. Um, so it, I, let's talk about this. If you guys have anything you want to say about the own goal, I guess, let's talk about that first. 
Um, I don't really have much to say about the own goal. It just, like I said, it makes me giggle every time I think about it. Um, yeah. It, the only thing I wanted to bring up is I just noted it. If DC United and the Colorado Rapids combined their points, they'd still only be third in the East. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the, the win actually did not take DC out of last place. Uh, we're now in a three-way tie with Colorado and Minnesota, but, um, the first tiebreaker in MLS is total wins, and all three teams have six. The second tiebreaker is goal difference, and because Minnesota clobbered United, uh, we're still in dead last. So, even with a win, uh, we're still at the bottom for the for the time being. And still seven points out of uh, Saturday's opponent for not bottom of the East. Ugh. But with the, we might be able to pass the Galaxy soon. They're only one point ahead. Yeah, uh, that's that's always fun. Um, Stephen, did you have anything you wanted to note about the astounding own goal? Um, no, it was just, it is what it is. I, <laughs> I think uh, for those of you who also watched the Spirit play on Saturday and, and score just uh, quite an unfortunate goal, own goal themselves, it was kind of some justice in the world of, of DC soccer for the, the year of 2017. Um, because that was that was an unfortunate own goal that they scored against themselves, where it hit off of a a clearance hit yes. off of a, a, a spirit player's face and bounced into the goal. So yeah, that but at least that was a player trying to do the right thing and just getting unlucky. Yeah, whereas yeah. the the Watts own goal was like just taking it to like two, it's like two levels above. Um, that was astounding. Um. Yeah, if you if you go out and play soccer, don't pass back to your goalkeeper on the frame of the goal because if this if your goalkeeper completely misses the ball, you've only given up a corner kick if you do it right. Um this is a, a pretty basic thing. Someone should have told you this already. Um But yeah, DC United won the game based off of this. Um interestingly had several really good chances to score a goal of their own that they flubbed completely uh by in the, especially in the second half, a weird tendency to just want to make one extra pass or or attempt one extra dribble. There, it all of a sudden seemed like DC was uh had shifted into that like that pitfall of good, that good teams fall into where they over elaborate, trying to show off a little bit, which is not really a thing that this team can uh, afford to do. Um, yeah, no. But uh, I think our focus probably needs to be elsewhere on the field. We should probably start by talking about. Uh, I think you have to give him the man of the match, even though there are other players we need to discuss. Bill Hamid, uh, one of his best games in quite a while. Um, only four saves, but all really difficult saves. Um, what, Stephen, what did you think of Bill on the night? Um, just typical Bill Hamid. I mean, what we've been accustomed to for the past couple of years. He's had some issues with near post goals in, in 2017, um, but he he showed why. At least in my books, he's he's one of the top two keepers in the league. The saves, um, especially in the, early in the second half, I think one was on Baji and one was on Gashi. Uh, mm-hmm. Difficult saves that that you know kept kept United ahead, and and then um, he, he didn't make the save late on against Baji. That one hit the hit the post, but I feel like his presence um, there, right in front of Baji, kind of kind of helped alter that shot and. Helped keep United um, ahead by that goal. So 
it's uh it is it is refreshing to see and I know Benny today said uh, I asked him about Bill and uh, after practice and he said just on the road sometimes you gotta you're gonna have to lean on your keepers and United did that and and uh, and benefited from his performance. Yeah, I mean he he definitely delivered the uh, yeah it's the kind of thing that we we expect all the time with with uh, Hamid and uh, it was nice to see because I mean even if this team boosts its level of play and starts picking up a few wins down the stretch here just to um, just to show their general improvement as a group Bill Hamid's still going to have to be a big part of that because he's still as good or better than anyone on the team. Um, and also with his contract situation, every time he has a game like this, he's, uh, giving himself some, uh, negotiating leverage that wasn't there before. It will be interesting to see what shakes out with that. Uh, I think United will desperately want to keep him in town, but Bill's always had those aspirations to go overseas. He's done a couple trials or trainings with teams in England, Premier League teams in England. Uh, I know we talked, I talked to him at for the season, you know, those are still some of his goals to, to play in Europe, but he's got to find the right situation. And uh, this year, you know, not having or being out of contract at the end of the year might might kind of help him make a move where somebody doesn't have to pay United to get him over there. So mm-hmm. uh, and we've seen this situation play out uh, after the 2015 season with, with Perry Kitchen. Uh, we know United threw some some good money at him, but it might might have to be even more for to keep Bill around. Um, yeah, I feel like of, if I feel like if Bill goes, it's not because it's not going to be because DC United lowballed him, especially with how much he means to the team, and obviously with the increased resources, um, they're going to put a substantial offer out there. It, I feel like if Bill goes, it's going to be because he wants to go and. You can't blame him for that if he finds a good situation. Uh, hopefully he finds a much better situation if he goes than what happened to Perry Kitchen because that's turned out pretty poorly for, for him. Yeah, and I mean, there's a, the other factor here is that we know full well that the emotional pull for Hamid to get to play at Buzzard Point, um, which wasn't, I don't think, a major factor for Perry Kitchen at all. Um but it's an undeniable one for for Hamid with his history with the team. Um, I mean, we had he he. I'm saying we had like we set this up, but uh, back at the stadium groundbreaking when he jumped into uh, our Facebook video um, to say hi to uh, Sevi Salazar and then found himself on camera, um, which which Bill handed uh, with more grace than most athletes would because he he immediately was ready to talk, um, which was pretty awesome. But uh. It was it was clear that it meant a lot. That day meant a lot to him, and uh, that's you know that's going to be part of for both sides. It's going to be part of the uh, the contract process with him because I you know I'm sure he wants to play there, and I'm also sure that United knows that it would be a black eye uh, for them to take the field there without him on on the team. Um, now, at a certain point, you know ec- the economics can take over, or the opportunity, you know, if he gets that look from the Premier League that he's wanted all this time. Um, if, if he gets that opportunity and he knows that it's not going to be here in a year, then um, that can change the equation. But right now it's up in the air still, and it's 
something to be a little nervous about, but not to be panicked yet because, uh, you know, Hamid's gotten this far on a contract before and then ended up re-signing. So um, it's not, you shouldn't have the uh, alarm ringing yet, but, uh, you know, definitely pay attention with uh, every time that comes up because it's a situation that needs to get resolved pretty soon, I would say. Um, yeah. I also think, you know, the the national team situation kind of plays into it. You know, when, when Perry joined United halfway through his uh, rookie season is when Jurgen Klinsmann became manager, and he was always pushing people to go to Europe. Uh, Bruce Arena now in charge. He's he's more than more than willing to to give you a, a fair shot if you're playing in MLS, and and maybe that has some impact in in, in, in Bill's decision down the road. Who knows? Yeah, um, that that's definitely. I mean. There's a lot of ins and outs when you've got this situation um, when you're in his shoes. Um, it's not just as simple as uh, signing a deal and that's that. There's a lot of other stuff going on. Um, so, yeah, ho- I mean, hopefully, though, you know, at the end of the season, we're talking about how good it is that he re-signed. Um, but we'll move on to a new signing making his debut uh, in this one. Uh, everyone get ready. Uh, we, we've... We know that the initial pronunciation that we thought his name was pronounced was incorrect. Uh, Russell Knous, um is incorrect. Russell Knaus is correct. Um, Knaus uh, had a pretty good game in his debut. Eighty-eight uh, percent of his passes were completed. Uh, five tackles, uh, two key passes. Uh, I think uh, five recoveries. Um, but also just the general like. Watching this was like getting to watch the the example of this is what it looks like when your defensive midfielder is good, um, and this yeah. is how much it improves things. Uh, ben, what did you think? Yeah, I thought he was a substantial upgrade over uh, Jared Jeffrey and or Marcelo uh, Sarvas. That uh, in this case, Jeffrey obviously, since Sarvas played alongside him, but just the fact that the team was able to play through the middle and break up things in the middle and like have a presence in the middle of the field as opposed to just getting overrun as they have basically the rest of the season before this. And um, you can tell that the new signings, Knaus and Areola especially, have continued to elevate uh, Lucho Acosta's play. And so being able to control the middle of the field a little more, being able to break things up, but then also improving one of United's best players that was already here uh, is just shows the importance of being able to uh, have a quality defensive midfielder. And if this is how good he is now in his first, in his debut without practicing very much with the team, I mean, he's already, I'd say almost, he's probably like, 80% 80% of peak Perry Kitchen on his debut. And I think he's definitely got the potential to blow past Kitchen's best performances here, uh, given development and given time to uh, actually gel with his teammates. Uh, Steven, go, go ahead. Uh, I know you've, you've got, got to have some thoughts on this too. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I talked to, to Russell today. He was, he was, Happy to have made his uh, debut, but he he admitted that the the altitude and you know just the lack of fitness kind of caught up with him um, over the ninety minutes. But he he was what has been missing for for uh, quite some time, or at least this year for for DC United. 
Uh, and I expect, you know, he might not play both games this week just for fitness reasons, but, you know, United fans should should start getting used to seeing him running around the field and, and making uh, a nuisance of himself. I think mean, he wasn't as visible, maybe as, as some, as Areola, um, but that's a good thing from your, your number six, your defensive midfielder. You just want him to quietly do his work and, and the less you see or hear about him is kind of like a good thing. And, uh, you know, Colorado isn't the toughest opponent he'll play this year. So that kind of helps. Um, but if you're a United fan, you're, you're pleased with what you've seen, uh, out of 90 minutes from Russell. Yeah, I think, um, I think what what I really take away from this was seeing what someone who is not so easily pulled out of that position uh, can bring to the table because I think this year part of the problem has been you've got Marcelo, you've got Jeffrey, they both want to go chase everything and they get pulled out and all of a sudden you end up without anyone in that spot or you end up with Ian Harks having to all of a sudden thinking like, oh, I'm the number eight so I should be further up and then he looks back and the person that's supposed to be behind him is gone. Um, and he has to scramble back and you never want, you don't want scramble to be the situation in that part of the field. Um, I would go, I would even note the fact that playing alongside him, Marcelo had a really good game for Marcelo. Um, his, his performance, uh, was better alongside, uh, Canals than it has been alongside anyone else this season. Um, and I think it just comes to United has a bunch of guys that are in various ways better as a number eight. And Canals is a number six. He's actually a fit for that role. So he's going to occupy that space. He's not going to go um, gallivanting around chasing these lost causes. He's going to say, like, I don't have to go chase the ball over there because eventually it's got to come here and I'll be here when it does and I can win the ball in this area here. Um, or even just occupying the space and making it more complicated to break United down uh, attacks you know, Colorado had some attacks that sort of ran out of steam just because they couldn't unlock, they couldn't find anything, and they said, oh, we'll just have to go backwards, and eventually you end up with uh, Jared Watts uh, scoring an own goal for you. Um, I don't know if I'm quite going to go so far as to credit that to defensive midfield play only, but uh, um, the general pattern of uh, teams having a hard time breaking you down because that that zone of the field is is taken up by somebody who's alert and anticipating what you're up to, it it makes a huge difference. And we actually got to see a case study of that because we finally got to see United play that position with someone play that position with discipline. Um, and it just it changes the it changes things quite a bit. I think Colorado did create a lot of chances in this game, but a lot of them were once they started throwing the kitchen sink at United. Once they started going along. Um, they ended the game with Axel Schuberg as a forward alongside Alan Gordon, which sort of tells you everything about their uh, approach at that point. Um, you know, they they had some they they created some chances slashing in off the wings, but as far as playing in the zone that that Canals was in, they really couldn't get much purchase. And I think that's a uh, that's that's what I wanted to see. I was I was pleased that it, it's we're already seeing it and we're you know this is his debut he's been on the team for what 11 days uh technically um yeah he's had not he has not had 11 training sessions at this point um and we're already seeing it so um it's like ben said if this is like 
the baseline and there's there's room to grow and there should be once he builds that understanding with the rest of the team, um, we could really be on to something. Maybe we don't have to um, sit this winter and hope for uh, a big Gary Medell uh, level signing at defensive midfield. Maybe we could spend that money somewhere else. That might be, you know, that's the best of both worlds is you actually get to spend the money but also not on a need. You're just saying like, well, th- this spot is okay, but we could upgrade rather than this spot desperately needs somebody that can play this position uh, playing it. Um, so yeah, I, I think um, maybe, maybe I mean, as much as Hamid impressed, I think Canals might be the biggest story from this game. Just uh, suddenly United doesn't seem like such a mess in that position. Um, and a uh, um, central midfield going forward, if this, if this performance is not just a, a flash in the pan, if we're talking about Canals, Harks, and Acosta as a central midfield, that's a group that can stay together for a very long time. Um, and yeah, really, old man, old man Lucho at twenty three. Right. Um, well, I don't know. Lucho's got two kids now, so uh, he might have to develop some old man habits. Yeah. Um, he he might have to start going to bed at like eight and uh, wearing wearing some pleated khakis uh, as you do. Uh, or maybe was, he can get uh, Jim Gabara's uh, bucket hat. I mean, you got to look after your skin if you're going to be outside all the time. Um, but uh, I guess the, the other note that I have, the other notes I have here, um, Paul Ariola, three key passes, um, another promising performance, um, probably should have ended up with an assist at some point during some of these uh, good-looking attacks that United just opted. It, it wasn't. It wasn't Ariola doing the over-elaborating, um, which I think is is a credit to him. Um, it was Lucho. It was Lloyd Sam um, opting not to pull the trigger uh, at moments where it just scree- screamed for a shot on goal. Oh, that 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 Lucho one especially. Yeah, um, that was the kind of thing you do when you're up three nothing um, and you're trying to score a highlight real goal, um, rather than you're up one nothing on the road and you're DC United in last place uh, in August. Um, but in any case, it didn't cost us, so we don't have to get too upset about it. Um, right. Stephen, what did what did you think? Well, you know, you know, you and I, you and I both know that um, Ariola didn't have much time to train heading into this one because he had to go get his possessions from San Diego and bring them to the district. So, um, a pretty he hasn't really had that chance to settle in yet. But we've still seen two pretty sharp performances on the wing. He's definitely improved the position for United um, at least this year. Patrick Niarco and Lloyd Sam, you know, a little bit more was expected from them. But Ariola's come in and he hasn't had any issues, um, at least looking competent on the field. Now, some of the timings and, and chemistry um, will be worked out over time with his teammates, especially with Acosta. Uh, but he's come in and, and, and given a lift to the team. I would also say he should probably should have beaten Tim Howard uh, on that shot in the, I think the yeah. 13th minute, 12th minute early mm-hmm. on. Um, but as... For those of you who listen to the DC United broadcast, uh, Lindsey Simpson, the uh, who works for the team, pointed out that you know he's not going to be like a ten goal, maybe not even a ten assist guy, but he's going to be somebody who's going to help somebody else get ten goals, help somebody else get you know ten assists, and just the way that he plays, the way that he moves, the speed that he has on the wings, uh, and his ability to kind of to link up with with his teammates. Um, yeah. And that's how Bruce has used him on the national team, too. Right. And you, you, we mentioned about Canals or Canoose. Uh, sorry, I made that mistake. Uh, 
Um, no, it's Canals. You said Canals, and then Knauss. you corrected to Canals. Canals. Um, I, I thought we practiced this beforehand. I, we did, and I anticipated <laughs> that I was going to say that wrong. So then I uh, corrected myself. Um, he, I think he only had about seven practices with United before his game, uh, This uh, or before he played against Colorado. But Ariola had three or four. So to see him... Uh, play as well as he's had so far is, is, is promising. And then the hope for the rest of the season, more so, you know, not, not trying to, you know, more so for, for preparing for next year than trying to get into a playoff this year. But you just hope that him and Acosta can find the chemistry that can kind of make them one of the better attacking duos, uh, in the league. Yeah. And, and I think, um, the, the, the chance you mentioned actually kind of, it kind of makes the point because what it, what it the the chance there was a, a really good run from Ariola where he he didn't join the initial wave of the attack he was coming in late um, and that's how Acosta had the time to shuttle the ball over to him on the right and he's coming in unmarked all of a sudden um, and that's the intelligence that he has is is to read that situation and know that if he makes the run with everybody else then he probably gets picked up earlier on and somebody shuttles over there and is in position to at least get in the way or make him have to dribble around somebody. But by holding his run and staying a little uninvolved for that moment and then making the run, that's how, I mean, we've seen that a lot with, with top strikers. Um, that's how you, you lose your marker is, is that you stay out of the play for a second and they lose track of you because they've got other things to deal with. And right when they're thinking, all right, what's going on over here? Cause I don't have to worry about that guy. That's when you start to make your run. And he ends up wide open. And yeah, he could have done better on the finish, but um, the chance that 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 created that, that his soccer IQ creates there is a is to me it's an important sign for what we should be expecting um, out of Ariola going forward. And and I I mean personally as a guy that that spent my whole time as a player being very slow, um, it's important to me when I watch players that they be smart enough to figure the game out and. Ariola is not slow. It's it must be nice for him um, to be able to run fast, um, but he's also extremely smart. And I think those two things are um, potentially going to be really dangerous in this league. Um, I mean, we've already seen him. He's already got a pretty decent connection with Lucho, and you know, we're talking about a guy that's barely had time to learn everyone's names. Um, so I, I think going forward, we're going to see. I think he's going to start getting his goals and assists. Um, It'll help if if his teammates take shots when the the chances are wide open. But um, I, I think that the there was no like step down or like you know maybe maybe the first game maybe his debut was more of a um, playing on adrenaline um, hitting his ceiling kind of thing. This was like no, this is in line with a, a steady progression, and this is a player that's going to keep getting better. I think, um, and hopefully this week uh, um, he can uh, you know turn all that good stuff into goals and assists. His teammates can help a little bit with the finish um, and score some goals because uh, the teams that United is playing, as we're going to get into in our next segment, aren't the best defenses. Uh, one of them has given up five goals to DC United this year, which is uh, in and of itself bizarre. Um, the other one is the Revs, who are the Revs, as always. Um, but yeah. I guess we should uh, we should get to that. So stay with us. Uh, stay Stay through to the uh, second segment. This is Filibuster. Hey, Ben, um, you wouldn't say this is a hostile work environment, would you? You can tell uh, me. Depends. I mean, 
Well, I should ask you. I mean, is are goats hostile? Uh, I think goats are are hostile. I think that they are secretly trying to take over the world. But but if this were a hostile work environment, or if I were trying to steal your wages, or or do something else oh, nefarious in a, I'm really not. Uh, but in a workplace environment, you know who to call, right? Because you live in the District of Columbia or Northern Virginia. I, I do. It's the Ehrlich Law Office. It is the Ehrlich Law Office. Uh, they they offer discrimination, wage, and litigation solutions in Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia, which means I can totally create a hostile work environment for Jason. Except, no, he, they, they wouldn't want me to say that. That would be bad. I do not want to create a hostile work environment for anyone. But Jason couldn't call them nonetheless because he lives in Maryland. Sorry, Jason. I'll fight my way through this. All right. <laughs> Uh, they handle workplace discrimination, wage theft, uh, non-compete clauses, and uh, non-solicitation litigation. They handle civil rights and government takings and disability and education law. They handle a lot of things. And if you are interested in a free consultation, head to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. All right, and we're back uh, after what was a very short break and not a totally long one where we talked about Rubik's Cubes and the USL for a while. Um, this week, DC United has uh, two games because, of course, why not have two games in a week? Um, on Wednesday night, they'll be hosting Atlanta United. On uh, Saturday, they'll host the New England Revolution. Um, Atlanta comes into this one. Uh, actually, you know what? Before we get to Atlanta, I'm, I'm skipping ahead already. Um, Stephen... Bye. Stephen, you uh, you were at practice um, today, as you mentioned in our first segment, and uh, you you learned a few things. You, let's uh, let's talk about some of this uh, news coming out of the DC United camp. Yeah, so Monday is usually a day off for the team, but given that they have a game on Wednesday, they they did their little regen for the for the starters, and and everybody else kind of went through a, about an hour's practice. Um, first thing of note is that Zoltan Stieber, uh, Ben Olsen told me is available and will participate in some fashion on Wednesday night against Atlanta. I imagine that's probably, uh, an appearance off of the bench for 15, 20 minutes, uh, just to kind of see what, what he's got to bring to the team. Uh, Deshaun Brown and Ian Harks were both at practice today. Um, they, Olsen said they should be part of, of the games this week as well. Uh, and the cup, there's a couple people missing Bruno Miranda, Bill Hamid. Uh, they were just receiving treatment. I know Bill doesn't have any, what's it? He doesn't have, uh, an MCL in his, in his right knee or, or meniscus. Uh, yeah, meniscus, right. And so that, yeah, at the beginning of the season, Ben Olsen just said sometimes he needs days off and a performance like the one he had against Colorado would kind of warrant that. Um, Steve Birnbaum was not at practice. He's being evaluated for a concussion uh, that he picked up against Colorado late, where I think he was going up for a header, but it was when he landed on the ground that he kind of hit his head, and a couple minutes later he had to exit that game. And then Taylor Kemp, Patrick Niarco, and Rob Vincent also weren't there, and you should not expect any of those guys to be playing uh, this week especially, but probably anytime soon by the looks of their uh, injuries. So I think that's all the notes that I had for, uh, for the, for the, for injuries from today's practice. Yeah, it should be. It's interesting to me that, that uh, I think Harks that puts him a little, like maybe a a few days ahead of schedule um, 
if if he plays Wednesday or Saturday, I feel like he was more of a after these two games he was going to be back. Uh, so it would be nice. I mean, not we're probably not expecting him to start either game. Um, but yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe the weekend one, maybe because um, uh, uh, Knaus might need a break, and Ian Harks might need to step in to give Knaus a break. Well, that and you know he was out with a sprained ankle. He wasn't out for so long that he would just lose his uh, his fitness altogether. Um, but it depends on how like how how close is he to actually being completely healed? Because again, yeah. you know the standings mean that we're not going to be rushing. We shouldn't be rushing people back um, unless they're actually ready to contribute without risking any further setbacks. Because there's no real point to that. You're just you're at that point. You're just destroying someone at, uh, at their joints. Um, Deshaun Brown coming back, uh, after that concussion, that's, that's good news because those are always, that's an, always an open-ended injury. It could be a week, it could be months. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't know that he'll actually, he's, he's probably going to start one of the two games just because, um, Mullins had to go, uh, the full 90 in Colorado. Um, uh, at a certain no, he point, didn't go full 90. But, oh, that's right. He came up with Corb. Never mind. But um, still, when, still coming when back. We, I mean that, that that substitution pattern kind of emphasized that United needed um, a third forward available because we ended the game with uh, well for, first we got to see Lucho up front by himself and then we ended the game uh, watching uh, Nick DeLeon playing as a forward target um, DeLeon like like you do so yeah you know the the option of having Brown I think would have been a lot more welcome because at the, at least then you can just go over the top and let him use his speed um, but either way. Um, Maybe we'll see him Saturday. Um, that team is more likely to me at this point um, as a starter, which, uh, you know, it's nice to not – it's nice to be able to rotate up front and not be like, oh, we have to rotate. Oh, no. Um, uh, yeah, it's, not, it's nice for the options to not be like Patrick Mullins and then some Danny Alsop level person. Right. Uh, Danny Alsop came up a couple times on the broadcast because he scored goals the last time <laughs> Um, yeah. You might have thought we were never going to have to deal with the, the thought of Danny Alsop again, but you're wrong. Uh, you can't escape him. <laughs> He's everywhere. Um, and it, I mean, it, it'll be really cool to see uh, Zoltan Schnieber. That's going to be a really welcome sight because, you know, obviously the transfer wasn't as expensive as it was initially reported, but we still, the fact that those numbers were even out there um, emphasizes what kind of talent uh, he possibly has. I mean, it could be that they were going to massively overpay. I, I can't say for sure. I didn't spend um, much time watching the the two Bundesliga. Though, Stephen, you actually, uh, while in Germany, saw a Kaiserslautern game, right? Yeah, he played 87 minutes, and I remember absolutely zero of <laughs> him actually playing in that game. Uh, he was playing against Nuremberg, which is the city I was born in. So I was kind of there with my dad cheering on Nuremberg last year. Um, but he played, and... Uh, he he, but he fell out of. Um, he wasn't he wasn't first choice in the second half of the 2016-2017 season. So he'll need some time to get readjusted to to playing. Yeah. Um, but it will be interesting. Can, if Knaus is any indication of uh, what we can get from the two Bundesliga, I, I'm definitely excited. Yeah, I'll, I will say that the not to go off too much on a tangent, but the the quality and the the play there um, is is close enough to to MLS that, you know, players coming from that league should be able to to acclimate pretty quickly. 
Uh, of course, that still depends on a player by player basis how well they do that. But the it's not like you're not bringing up somebody from USL or NASL where the the quality you know is is there's an obvious drop off there. So it will be uh, be nice to see him get out on the field and, and show what he can do for you know on on Wednesday or Saturday. Yeah, and you know we're probably looking at ten to twenty minutes, um, but United could use. It's not just that getting him on the field. It's also with the three games in a week, uh, those wing positions, those guys are going to need a break. Um, So, you know, he he is getting him eligible for this is important for him, but it's also important for um, the rotation policy that needs to be in place. Because if you just play the same guys on uh, Wednesday and then you send them out again against New England, they're probably going to just be completely exhausted. by you know the thirtieth minute of that game, and maybe you end up with a a result that uh, no one wants. No one wants to have to deal with losing to the Revs. That's no good. Um, so uh, it, it it's kind of it's good timing as well as important for everyone involved. Um, but uh, it, it's interesting because these players are pretty soon going to be away again, and it's it's um, during our break, we actually were looking at the dates on these international uh, games because it's the first time in a while we've had to bother with that um, as far as DC United's roster. Um, but the World Cup qualifying window is coming up after this weekend. Um, it's It'll start on August 31st. Uh, Stieber is with Hungary. He'll be playing against Latvia. He also has a game on September 3rd against Portugal. Uh, Bruno Miranda plays on the 31st at Peru and then plays Chile on September 5th. Um, Paul Areola and uh, possibly, probably Bill Hamid uh, have, will likely, we believe, have games. We don't actually know. We have, That's going to be, U.S. soccer is pretty good about keeping that under wraps uh, as much as they can. They don't, they don't give us any heads up um, because they don't value this podcast and they should. Um, Bruce, Bruce, I know you're listening. <laughs> give us a call. Just, just let us know. I'm sure that they have our show let, let us, on loop at Soccer House every day. Instead of background music, it's just filibuster playing over and over again. Yeah, it is. I, I know <laughs> it is. I, I would go and hide a uh, a speaker in Soccer House in a different location about once a week, and then just pipe that pipe that in there. So, hi, Soccer House. Good good to hear you again. Good to be talking to you. <laughs> Just Ben's voice echoing off of the corridors. Um, Those two... Sunil Sunil muttering under his breath. Who did this? Why? Why? (laughs) Um, Those two most likely, we hope, we believe, um, with uh, Ariola a stronger candidate, of course, because he's sort of ensconced in the team, whereas Hamid is working his way back in. We we think he's going to get that call up as well. Um, but they've got the games on, uh, September 1st, September 5th, uh, Costa Rica and at Honduras. Um, so that's, I mean, that's kind of an interesting thing for, for us. Uh, it's sort of, it's old ground that we've had to, to get back to covering where four different players possibly getting called into their national teams. That's, it's kind of a, a signal of, uh, just how much change during this transfer window. Yeah, Fair. it's, it's pretty, it's pretty awesome to see. I mean, and at least with these qualifiers, it's not going to matter because like, it's not like DC United is missing a a lot of their best players while they're pushing for the playoffs or pushing for the supporter shield. It's just like, yeah, it's fine. Go ahead. 
It is yeah, interesting to note that all three of those players basically are they're all wingers, as or as we understand. So fingers crossed, though, even though they're not playing for the playoffs, that uh, nobody comes back injured. Uh, considering now that Lamar Nagel and and Sebastian Latou are gone from the club. It'll be fine. They're perfecting cloning technology, so we'll just have four Nick DeLeons starting. <laughs> An entire team of DeLeons is where we're, we're headed yeah. one day. Um, well, it, it, at least both fullbacks and both wingers, just all DeLeons. They'll just have different... They'll just all have a different Nick DeLeon haircut from, from okay. throughout the years. Too, so we can identify, oh, right. that's left winger DeLeon. Oh, that's... Oh, bald DeLeon is the, is the uh, right fullback. Okay, I got it. Oh, and it is it is worth noting that United's game there won't be a game that weekend because MLS is is I don't know if they're completely off for that weekend but DC is off for that weekend. Um so their game uh their first game in September is September 9th. Um so all of these players will have probably a solid 2 to 3 days back in town before that. Um give or take. I mean it might take um you know, actually, I, I wouldn't even expect Miranda to need the extra day um, coming from Chile on the 5th. Um, so uh, it shouldn't interfere much. As long as no one gets hurt, it shouldn't interfere with the game against Orlando um, unless someone plays, you know, a tremendously challenging game physically and they end up exhausted. Um, I would guess that would be Ariola. I don't think Miranda's going to go 90 uh, against Chile. Um, so... It shouldn't be too much of an impact, but it is something to keep an eye on where United actually has players playing internationally, and it's not just, like, one guy who got a call-up here and there. It's like, oh, we're actually a, a player in this this uh, weird world of international soccer. We actually get to take part a little bit. Um, but going back to yet another abrupt pivot, we have, before we do that, we have to tackle these games uh, this week. Uh, United hosts Atlanta, having beaten them twice... Uh, in, so, so me, it doesn't really make any sense. Uh, DC beat Atlanta three one back in April, and then beat them two one at RFK uh, in June. And both games were United won that game, and then went on a prolonged losing streak afterwards. Um, so maybe, maybe Atlanta is some sort of bad omen, even though they seem to give United three points every time. Um, they, the, the, what follows is, a, is not so good. DC United currently has 27% of this season's points, uh, taken from Atlanta United. <laughs> that's, that's ridiculous, especially because Atlanta has proven to be a very capable team. They're in a good spot. They're in the playoffs right now. Um, no, they're not. They aren't. They fell out. Nope. Yep. But they, they have are, like three games in hand over that's what pretty much everybody else. They're um, one point behind the Montreal Impact, but have two games in hand over the Montreal Impact. Yeah, because Montreal and somehow, has actually and somehow, heated up. And somehow have four games in hand over the Columbus Crew, who are also tied on points with the Montreal Impact. Right. So, so you know, on a points-per-game basis, they are actually fourth in the East. Um, now that I'm yes. looking at the standings page, which I should have been before I said that. Um so it's been a pretty pretty strong campaign for them outside of games against DC United, where inexplicably, <laughs> I mean, you know, going back to that first game, they obviously they should have buried United in the first ten minutes, and then they ended up losing three to one. Um, the game at RFK, United actually looked. It was sort of a glimpse at what this team is actually capable of when everyone plays pretty well and no one makes any colossal mistakes. 
Um, unfortunately, it's just something we haven't seen very much of at all this year. Um, but uh, I guess the first, the main talking point maybe in this one, given that United... I mean, United, uh, if they go and win nine more in a row to make a 10-game winning streak, might make the playoffs. <laughs> if if, right. if they win those nine games, they might make the playoffs. There's no guarantees, but a nine-game winning streak would at least put them in the frame, but nothing less than a nine-game winning streak. Um, but with that, you know, once you've come to accept that that's probably not about to happen, um, I think the main t- the main thing in this game is that we could see Bobby Boswell suiting up for Atlanta against DC United. Um, guys, what did you think of that? I mean, looking back on that trade, it, doesn't it strike you as just a really odd deal from Atlanta's side? Yeah, they already have not that great of a defense, and um, adding a slow and old Bobby Boswell, well, I guess, is just to make up numbers and have somebody as an option better than kid from your academy or something like that. But the way with how high tempo their offense is, Bobby Boswell is not a high tempo guy. He's not a keep the ball on the ground guy. He's a, he's a, I mean, Bobby Boswell would have been a great center back in 1960s England, just get it done and boot the ball long. So it's, it's odd for a team that wants to play passing and high pressure, but he was probably what was available at the trade deadline, and that's what they were able to get. Yeah, I, I guess I just I, when I think of him and the way Atlanta wants to play with their high tempo, wide open, uh, build out of the back style, it just to me it almost seems like why would you get a player who specifically doesn't do that and has never done that? That's never been part of his his game. Um, no. And and the fact that even when United was playing a high tempo high press style last season and succeeding with it. One of the first things they tried to do this preseason was like, all right, let's figure out how to replace Bobby Boswell to, to such an extent that they were playing Sean Franklin at center back. Um, it, it's, it, I almost feel like we should be looking for Atlanta to have like a second tactical look where they're playing some sort of three, five, two instead. Um, if, if Boswell steps on the field, which I don't think he's going to step on the field in this one, but um, it's a, it's a, it's a puzzling move. I haven't even with even with some time to think it over. I still just can't wrap my head around what what Atlanta wanted out of this because I understand what United wanted. They said, you know, let's get our veteran uh, former captain uh, a spot where he might get to be con- a contender before his career is over. Um, but I don't see what Atlanta's side of the deal is. Like, what were they interested in? It just doesn't it doesn't connect for me. I, I will say uh, it is kind of interesting that they're. They had the second pick in the 2017 MLS Super Draft. They picked Miles Robinson, yep, uh, who's a center back, and he has not played any minutes in MLS right. this year. And, and he was he was like the consensus top center back. He's a generation Adidas player, but he was also like, if you're taking a center back, this is the guy to take. Um, and yeah, uh, like Steven said, he has not stepped onto the field in league play. Uh, I don't even think he played in their Open Cup game. Um. He's played for Charleston, but I can't confirm right. about the Open Cup games. But um, I guess they don't trust him um, at least <laughs> this year. So yeah, I guess I mean, in in that sense, you know, bringing on a Bobby Boswell kind of makes sense. But like you mentioned, uh, his style seemingly clashes eh, just a little bit from <laughs> from what from what we've seen from Atlanta under uh, Tata Martino. So uh, like you said, he won't. It would be they haven't played since he he moved to them. 
to move to Atlanta. They've had a two-week break, but don't expect him to actually be on the field other than right. maybe waving at the D.C. United supporters after the game. Yeah, that, I mean, that is something to look out for because I assume he will wander across if, if he makes the trip. Um, I don't know if – we, we don't have much to judge because Atlanta hasn't played since August 6th, um, which is a bizarre – uh, bit of scheduling, the fact that, you know, as we just said, uh, they've got many games in hand on everyone else in the East, uh, between two... And there's about to be an international break. Right, so they've got between two and four games on everybody else in the East. There's about to be an international break, and here they are not playing any games for 17 days. Um, that's, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm hesitant to criticize the MLS schedule because I understand that with the different venues and a couple different venues host multiple sports and all this other stuff with weather, um, that scheduling the games is never going to be as easy as people think it's going to be, and it's never going to come out cleanly for everybody or even most teams. But I feel like there's plenty of room to not have a team go 17 days without games uh, when they have already not played very often. Um, fit a road game in. Like give them a road game against somebody. <laughs> they didn't. They didn't play this weekend, um, and that, that means that because there's even numbers in the league, somebody else also didn't play this weekend. Have those two teams play each other? Um, I don't. It it's bizarre. Um, and like I um, I I helped out the guys at Dirty South Soccer um, in an article about Boswell. They wanted to know what they were getting. And I sent it to them, and I was like, uh, you know, if you guys run this tomorrow, let me know. And they're like, oh, we're going to have to hold it for a couple of days because we need to space out all of our content because we don't have games to write about for, like, two weeks. Um, and I was like, oh, that – like, I thought to myself, like, they've got to be wrong about that. And I looked it up. I was like, how are there no games? How do they not have games now? Um, but, yeah, somehow Atlanta – I mean, they are tra- transitioning from Bobby Dodd to Mercedes-Benz Spaceship Stadium. Um with its uh, gold field and its uh, diamond uh, roof or whatever that place has. Um, I still I still like to think of everything attached to Atlanta is like a Mr. Burns-style uh, rich person's mansion. Um, after watching their, uh, what was it, the uh, expansion draft, their um, war room that they had set up, and it was this, like, it was just some... Rich, rich mahogany. <laughs> yeah, it was just some room in Arthur Blank's house with, like, a giant uh, millionaire table, like the kind of table you'd have in a movie when you may- want to make a joke about how long the tables are at rich people's houses. Um, it was like, this is the table for that. This is the perfect table for that joke. Um, I will say, uh, I, I was hanging out with a couple of people from the Atlanta area this this uh, this past week. They mentioned, uh, and I hadn't seen it before, but the they built that, that opening closed. So mm-hmm. everything is closed right now. And they're not quite sure exactly how to open it. I don't think that actually has like, um, it's not going to have like an impact. They could still play a game there. Right. Uh, without, but the, the whole idea is that if it's nice out, they open it up. Um, and they're not quite sure exactly how it, it's supposed to open up or they haven't exactly figured out the process of that yet. So, um, they might be, uh, playing in, in beautiful weather outside, but it, inside, there have to be inside because they, they can't figure out how to open the Oculus up to the heavens. So. It was the LA Galaxy who did not play last weekend. Okay. Well, there you go. I mean, maybe they already played or something, but there's got to be a way to, to, smash the schedule together in such a way where you don't end up with Atlanta being this far behind in games played and then also not playing. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, 
I guess I also don't understand how you build a roof on your stadium that you don't know how to open. Um, so, I mean, a roof that's supposed to be opened. It's one thing if you just slap something on the top and you're like, oh, it, you know, it never was supposed to be opened. Um, right. I mean, I, I don't know how to open the roof of my house, but right. I'm not supposed to be able to open it because it's not openable. But if you had if you had something that's supposed to open in the dramatic way that their roof is supposed to open, you want to know how that it should be like a button, you would think. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, you push this button and a bunch of stuff happens up there with gears and uh, electronics and mechanical devices, and they open this Probably roof. Some, maybe some hydraulics. And so, yeah, some experts have put these things in, they've installed it, and it works. Um, but instead of, apparently, the situation is like, well, the stuff's up there, and we're down here, and it opens, but we don't know how it opens. You know what? It actually reminds me of my, a friend of mine just moved, uh, like, a month ago, and I went over for the little tour, and he was like, this house has, like, 20 times too many light switches as it should have. And he was right. There were, like, seven switches in every room. And he was like, I don't what? know I don't know what this switch does. He's flicking it on off. He's like, it doesn't do anything as far as I can tell. I don't know what this does. I don't know what that does. Um, maybe someone needs to go through the Mercedes-Benz Stadium and just hit all the switches until one of them works the roof. Um, okay. And then they'd be like, oh, just put, like, a little piece of tape with the word roof over top of that, that switch so that everyone knows. Um, that's where you turn the roof on. It's probably in, like, the away locker room or something. It's like... Yeah, so, and then... Two light switches, and, and then the roof switch is in the bathroom. Yeah, and somebody should just push that in the middle of the game, because that'd be fun if they just, like, closed the roof or opened the roof in the middle of a game. That's, uh... That's bizarre. I don't know how you end up in that scenario where you've spent this much money on a stadium, but you don't know how to open the roof. Yeah, here we go. Anyway. I just looked it up okay. from... From AJC, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution had an article from today, said the retractable roof isn't ready to retract, forcing games to be played with it in the closed position until mechanization is complete. So I guess they just haven't finished it. But they okay. said Falcons and stadium officials don't know exactly when they'll be able to open the roof for a game, but they said it'll be sometime this fall. Okay, so they're just... Until mechanization is complete. Right. And they said the difficulties had a lot to do with the fact that this roof has never been done before. Because it's not like the with the Rogers Center up in Toronto that just kind of slides. Mm-hmm. This one kind of rotates and opens at the same right. time. So basically it's too fancy and they don't know how to do it. This this is like a lottery winner problem. Um, or you just buy up a bunch of stuff and you're like, oh, I don't even know how to make that thing work. Um, I just haven't gotten around to it. But anyway... Um, I guess one thing we do need to talk about before we move on is uh, they're going to have Yosef Martinez uh, in the lineup. Um, he came in as a sub at RFK, uh, but their record with him in the in the team is five, or as a starter anyway, um, five wins and one loss. Uh, they've scored 18 goals in those six games. So um, when Martinez is in the game, you've got a big problem because he's he's fast. He never stops moving. He's really skillful on the ball, and he's a great finisher. So... Um, this is not going to be quite the same as dealing with, uh, uh, Vialba up front since Vialba is a winger who is filling in as a forward. Um, so for, for United, it's going to be a big challenge because, uh, Steve Birnbaum is not going to be in this game, uh, because of that concussion. So Jalen Robinson is going to have to start, um, or Sean Franklin, or we could go back to that. I, I feel like we've seen enough of that with, with the open cup loss yes. to the, the Please Rams. don't do that. Um, Robinson, I, I mean, he did kind of struggle against Colorado, but it was also like in the 88th minute, 
you're not really expecting to come on and you're you've got no chance to get your mind acclimated to the kitchen sink um deal with Schuberg and Gordon as a as a forward pairing uh situation like that you're just sort of being tossed in it's like good luck go get him um so with a week or not a week with a few days to train at least um I will say he's more suited to dealing with Atlanta than um than Boswell was in those games um because of of Robinson being a faster player um a little more confident on the ball so it's going to be an interesting thing to watch for sure because now Kofi Opare is going to have to take a leadership role um Bill Hamid is going to have to be a big, a bigger factor as a leader in the back than normal um so that's a that's a it's a big challenge even though United has had Atlanta's number somehow it, it's certainly not guaranteed that that will just hold forever um, it's going to take a pretty significant performance, I think, from Robinson and really from everyone in a defensive position to uh, get it get United uh, even a one point in this because Atlanta is legit. That's not a it's not an accident that they are where they are. Speaking defensively, uh, I think we can all kind of or three of us at least agreed that Nick DeLeon had a, a couple struggles at left back on. Um, uh, on Saturday against Colorado, it'll be interesting to see what happens at that position. Uh, I imagine that Ben Olsen will go back to Chris Korb um, in, in in light of Taylor Kemp's absence because they need a little bit better out of a left back. Uh, well, I didn't. I didn't even mind the Chris Adoyachum, uh experiment at left back. I'd, I'd be fine with that too. Well, but if Sean Franklin's playing at center back, then somebody's got to play at right back. So, but he's not going to be playing at center back. <laughs> Please. You never know. Um, That's true. I'll open or up. Chris Doyachum at yeah. uh, center back. I'll open it up further. He played a whole season there at Maryland um, because of injuries. And uh, actually, that team went to College Cup. Um, so, who knows? You heard, you heard it here first. Chris Doyachum <laughs> will start at center back. There it is. Uh, you can you can go bet that. You can go to a casino and bet on that if you can find a casino that will take that bet in the United States. Um, and if you win, give me your money. And if you lose, it's your fault. Um, and yep. with that in mind, uh, let's move on, uh, again, extremely abruptly to Saturday where United will host the Revs. Um, their loss, we sort of alluded to just a second ago. Uh, the last time they played the Revs was in the open cup. They lost that game, uh, two to one after taking, taking the lead with a really nice goal and then promptly not doing anything else for the rest of the game. Um, the, if I'm not mistaken, that was their first loss to the Revs in like two and a half years. Um, I want to say that their MLS streak against the Revs goes back to like tw- sometime early in 2014 since their last defeat uh, at the hands of New England. Um, the Revs are coming into this one off of a 2-1 loss to NYCFC. They gave up a goal in, I believe, the 94th minute, I want to say. Yep, um, that's correct. They also lost uh, uh, Xavier Kowasi to an injury. They sent Diego Fagundes in for him. He got hurt uh, deep in deep in the into the game, and then Kellen Rowe also got hurt. Um, and Fagundes and Rowe were subbed out, or not subbed out. They were removed before or after the third sub. So the Revs finished this one with uh, a lot of guys hurt. Um, it was also just it, it was also kind of an odd game because they were trying something different. They were trying uh, Benjamin Angua, the center back, played right back. Uh, Andrew Farrell was playing left back. Um, as in it, kind of going back to the. Jay Heaps has sort of given up on Chris Tierney, it seems like, uh, but he has not found 
a successor. So he's like, he's halfway through the job of replacing Tierney in that he's decided he doesn't want Tierney to be the starting left back anymore, but he also doesn't have another left back. So he's been playing who anyone else, really. Um, they signed a player during the transfer window. They signed Claude Dielna, who's supposed to be a left back or center back, but of course he then ended up playing center back with this bizarre defensive arrangement. Um, it kind of it kind of underlines the whole problem with the Rebs, which is that there's a lot of talented individuals, and then the roster as a group just doesn't make any sense. Um, and thus you end up with a team that is looking pretty likely to not go to the playoffs this year. And, and I don't think anyone, um, even with their, their underlying stats, um, there is the expected goals argument that the Rebs should be better than they are, but... I don't know. They're the, not the yeah the 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 eye test as well as their their roster reality is is it's almost like this is a team built to defy the expected goals model by just being bad. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um. <laughs> no, I will say with the we might see uh, Nemeth this this weekend. He did. Yeah. I don't think he played against uh, New York City. He did not. But I ma- yeah, imagine he's he's all paper, he got all his paperwork done, and uh, it will be interesting to see how he kind of fits into this Revs team, who didn't really need him, um, right. <laughs> considering everybody else they have on their team. But maybe now with the injuries, yeah. they do kind of need him. And right. his his season in 2015 with Sporting Kansas City was pretty good. It wasn't he wasn't a 20 goal scorer or anything on from the wing, but he's he's a pretty good player. He won't be joining Hungary for their upcoming World Cup qualifiers. Yeah. Because um, he, he hadn't played in a match since, I want to say, March because of a protracted uh, pay dispute with his club in uh, uh, Qatar. Qatar. Yeah, um, where he he argued that they owed him some wages. They argued that they did not owe him those wages. And um, one of the reasons his transfer took so long to MLS is that what the rumor was that he was staying there. He was staying in place because he felt like his best way to get that money was to stick around. Um, rather than leave, because it would give the uh, give his team some sort of out. I, I don't know the ins and outs legally of of what was up there, but uh, I mean he's he hasn't played in quite a while. Um, so if he plays, if he, if he participates in this one, I would look for him to be more of a um, maybe like uh, Zoltan Stieber. Maybe they can both as uh, Hungarians uh, sub in at the same time uh, for you know fifteen minutes, give or take. Um, though Schneeber should be closer to 90 minutes than, than, uh, Nemeth, given that, uh, I mean, that's, that's about a five month layoff. Um, but it, if, if I mean, that does happen, I imagine that the press box, um, which will <laughs> almost certainly contain members from the Hungarian embassy will just yes. explode in excitement, uh, for the presence of those two Hungarians at the same time in a, in a game in the U S. The, those guys that came out to the open practice were very excited to be there. They they had very nice suits. Um, I think that was undeniable. And uh, I can I can take a story from Adam. Uh, Adam said that uh, they were unfamiliar with how to get out of the parking lot at RFK, and so he saw them just sort of driving around looking for an exit. And eventually, they they had driven past him at least twice, and were finally like, "Let's," because Adam Adam was waiting for me. Um, to come out of the press conference area, so he was like the last person milling about Lot Eight. Um, so they drove over to him and like, "How do we get out of here? Like, what do we do?" And he was like, "You got to go over there. It's it's you know it's just that exit there." And they're like, "Oh, great." Um, I think they were trying to look it up on their phone probably, and it just wasn't 
visually matching up with what they expected because, you know, when you look at Google Maps, you get a flat map. You don't get an accurate portrayal of what it's actually like to be on the ground. Um, and I guess they just got lost at, at uh, RFK for a little while. So Adam helped those guys leave. Um, maybe he can help them again uh, on Saturday if they show up. Well, they're probably going to be there, let's be honest. Um, if if one Hungarian got them to come out to an open training, then two Hungarians, that's much big, a much bigger deal on game day. Um, but anyway, um, I, I guess when I'm looking at the revs, I'm trying to figure out what they're going to do. I mean, their, their lineup this week didn't really make any sense to me. Um, it's, well, and it's also their, at least uh, both teams are bad, but at least DC United now has some hope with the additions they've made to their roster. Whereas the revs just have continued to rev for the past, however many years. And it's, Outside of, like, Jermaine Jones, they don't seem to do anything to try and give their poor down, downtrodden fans any hope. Yeah, and it's funny because when I look at some of the things they've done, like, as much as I like to trash Jay Heaps, um, some of the moves he's made haven't been the worst moves, but when I look at how they put their team together, I'm just like, this this group doesn't fit together, and these players aren't getting better. I mean, Kellen Rowe is maybe a little better than he was as a rookie, Diego Fagundes has maybe made a tiny bit of progress since he came in as a teenager. Um, these are young, the, or they were young players. Now they're not, you can't even really say that about them. Um, these guys should be better than they are. Um, and yeah. that's maybe the worst problem for the Revs is that um, they built a promising young roster and then didn't bring those players any real progress. And now all of a sudden there, it's like, why doesn't this team work when they've got all these good names? It's like, well, maybe these names aren't as good as they should be. Um, it, I'm, I'm intrigued to see what they do. Um, I mean, Lee Wynn didn't start against NYCFC. Um, whether he comes back in, whether they're going to try and see if they don't need him on the field anymore, I don't know. It's I, I, I can't get a read on what the Revs are trying to do these days because I don't think they themselves have a solid handle on what, what it is they're trying to do. Um I do know that I, I kind of, it's weird because uh, I kind of expect at this point United to beat Atlanta uh, just because that's what's happened uh, and not for any other good reasons. Um, yeah. But then it means it, it's like, well, we beat Atlanta and then we immediately go on a losing streak, but we also tend to beat the Revs. We tend to cause them problems. Um, maybe this is an opportunity and I, I can't believe I'm about to say it, but what if, what if we end this week where... Uh, the past history and United being the uh, the bogey team for Atlanta and for the Revs over uh, various amounts of times. What if we come out of this week and United has picked up uh, nine Jason. points in Jason. three games? Jason. Yeah. Jason. There'll be a parade. Oh, okay. <laughs> you heard it here first. If United okay. wins both of these home games against teams they regularly beat... <laughs> We will have a parade because it will be a three-game winning streak uh, that no one possibly could have imagined. Um, I don't know what what we'll do is we'll have a parade that'll start where my car broke down and Stephen <laughs> and I hung out by RFK. It'll start there and it'll end. Uh, I don't know. It'll end at the place. It'll end at the tow truck place that took like four hours to come get me. Um, with a couple loops by where the Hungarians got stuck. You got you know yeah, you got to add that we'll in. Go through too. There. We'll, we'll run the red light uh, from East Capitol, uh, which uh, confounded people throughout the night. That night, we got to see a lot of people pulling up to that and being like, "I don't know how to handle this," and then just running a red light. Um, 
The parade will include uh, such highlights as the Volkswagen that was clearly about to die, um, and the other Volkswagen whose tire had gone flat, and they were just going to drive drive through having that flat. They were just not going to deal with it. Um, so instead of tweeting through it, they just drove through it. Yeah, they were just like, no, I don't have a flat. This is fine. Well, they also um, kind of disappeared <laughs> behind RFK. Like, they never they reappeared. Never yeah. Uh, when, when the tow truck took me away, that car had never come back out. Um, and we were looking for it because there's not really that much else to do. Um, so yeah, all of these things can be part of the, the three game winning streak parade. Uh, if, if United gets the three, gets three wins in a row somehow. Um, and, and, and just to note that would still keep United in last place in the Eastern conference. Yes. And, and also the chances of getting in the playoffs would increase from like less than 1% to maybe 1% yeah. after, even after doing that, um, like we said, they could win all nine of their remaining games, and they still only have a chance at the playoffs at that point. Um, but it's fun. It's fun to actually like get to talk about the team and be like, maybe they could actually win these games. Um, they've clearly figured something out about Atlanta um, in the two games we've seen. They've clearly, over over the years, figured something out about the Revs. Um, I, I mean, maybe maybe that Jared Watts goal is the, the boost of luck this team needs to at least have... Uh, you know, have some things fall into place where it's not just a uh, every single game is like, well, I don't know about this one, guys. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, on the, I guess we're gonna finish with an abrupt uh, pivot because we've 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 talked enough. This show, this episode is long enough, I think. This was um, supposed yeah. to be a short segment, wasn't it? The the two we games didn't do. have any notes. No, we never. There, do there are no short segments. Yeah. No. <laughs> we say that, but it's never true. We tell ourselves a lie, and then we, we go through with being ourselves. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, find us on the internet. We're filibusterdcu on uh, Twitter. Uh, email us uh, your song for Adam to sing or uh, or whatever. Uh, email us any, any crazy thing you've got on any subject. It could be a recipe that you have for chili or um, a request to be a part of the parade. We'll, we'll get you in there if you send us a request. Um uh, that's at filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. Um, tell your friends. If, if you enjoy the show, tell tell your friends. If you hate the show and you listen to it anyway for some reason that I don't understand, um, tell your friends that there's a podcast that you extremely you have extreme hatred for, but you listen to every single week. Please tell your friends to hate it with you, um, and uh, they can they can download the show and, and join you in hate or disagree with you. I don't know. I don't know how that would work because it already doesn't make any sense to me that you would listen to this even if you hated it. But that's your choice. Uh, you can do that to yourself. Um, and now that I've rambled for another minute uh, extra, <laughs> I'm Jason. That was Ben and Steven. Uh, ben, finish the show somehow. Go oh.